Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In episode 14, we discuss collaborating with other creatives, and we talk to Lori Gauger about hymn writing. I'm your host, Tim Babler, joined as always by my co-host, Drew Sonnenberg. Drew, how's it going? Pretty good. How about you, Tim? I'm also doing well. In our conversation with Lori this week, we had a really good conversation about her writing lyrics and and getting um, other people to write the melodies for her hymns. And that got me thinking, Drew, have you ever worked with uh, someone else before? Like one of you writes lyrics, the other one writes the melody? Yeah, actually, this is something I've done fairly recently, like in the last 12 months or so. I've worked with a college friend of mine named Tim Rosenau, who's now a pastor in Prescott, Wisconsin. And he... He has a way with words that I I do not. So I've worked with him to write a couple new songs, and he did the majority of the work on the lyrics. Like I had an idea of what I wanted the song to be about, but he did the vast majority of the actual lyric writing. And then I took those lyrics and set them to music. And we used a couple of them here at Illumin. First one was a little shaky, but uh, the second one is called I Will Serve Where My Savior Calls Me, and it's gone over really well. Nice. How about you, Tim? Yeah. Uh, one instance I can think of was shortly after college, I had a, a friend from college reach out to me. His name is David Porth, and he is actually a Lutheran school teacher in Wisconsin as well. And he was trying to write a choral arrangement of a song for, for use at his church that he was going to be for Christmas Eve for their candlelight service. So he just reached out on Facebook and said, do I have any lyricists out there that want to write, you know, write a, a poem or write a, a song? So I was like, sure, I'll give it a shot. And I actually first wrote one thing, and I called it Echoes of Emmanuel, because I kind of had a a very similar feel to like Okomokome Emmanuel, but it was like, what does it look like with the realization? And sure. then we decided like, ah, eh, that wasn't exactly the direction he wanted to go. So I have that just sitting, you know, in my back pocket now, and then came up with the song that's called The Peace of the Emmanuel, and just saying like, what's it like when Jesus comes down to the earth for the first time? And then uh, David said it really beautifully to... Uh, piano and he's a very talented pianist as well so getting that seeing that come together and then hearing that it was actually performed at his church for christmas eve candlelight service i'm like this is really cool yeah that is pretty cool uh we had a great conversation with Lori gauger this week as she discusses her process and then some of the different people she's collaborated with so let's give that a listen today we are joined by hymn writer extraordinaire Lori gauger welcome to the podcast Lori. thank you Lori, for those who are listening, could you just introduce yourself to them? Yep. I'm Lori Gauger, and I'm the campus writer editor at Martin Luther College. I also do some other kinds of writing and some speaking, but my favorite kind of writing is hymn writing. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that today. And Lori, you actually have some published works and some things that are produced by the Wisconsin Synod. Is that correct? I do. And by other publishers as well. Uh, and You Will Sleep is an anthem I wrote with my son, Phil Biedenbender, and that's been published by Earth Songs in the uh, Anton Armstrong series. And uh, that actually won him the Hillert Award, the Richard Hillert Award for composition. So that was pretty exciting for him. I kind of got to ride his coattails on that. <laughs> what Grace Is This? Uh, that's in the Wells hymnal supplement. Uh, three hymns are in the supplement. What Grace Is This? It has music by Grace Hennig. And that was picked up by um, GIA, 
composer in Grand Rapids, Dr. Larry Visser, wrote an arrangement using Grace's tune. And that's been sung many times and GIA publishes that. And then there's a few things at MPH. Um, the King Will Come at Age's End. That's a hymn that Joyce Schubkegel, Professor Joyce Schubkegel wrote the music for. And that's had a couple arrangements done, um, anthem arrangements, Mark Nickelbein and Jeremy Bakken, I believe, and those are at NPH. And I just heard about a new one that's going to be published, Quiet Me, My Lord. It's called Dale Witte wrote the music for that. I think you just interviewed um, his son, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. Dale wrote the music for that. He just saw the hymn on Facebook and wrote up this really lovely music and uh, an MLC choir premiered it, which was very exciting and humbling for me. And then uh, Jeremy Bakken picked that up and he's going to publish that at NPH as well. Wow, that's wonderful. So you mentioned that you do write a broad range of things, but you feel like your specialty is hymn writing. So how would you say you find hymn writing to be different than uh, songwriting or other types of poetry? That is a is a really good question. I think in many ways, hymn writing is like every other kind of writing, which means you have to have something meaningful to say. And you have to communicate it uh, with the reader in mind as if for me, as if you're just talking to one person. And on top of that, it has to be built on all the fundamentals, strong verbs and concrete nouns like blood, not like an abstract noun like reconciliation. You know, you want concrete nouns and you want logical transitions. And then you want a lot of evocative imagery, words that speak to the senses that create pictures in people's minds and echoes in their ears. And good writing is also built on clarity and brevity. You want to get to your point quickly and say things clearly, especially now. Uh, studies say that online, most people don't even read. They just skim. So you need to get to your point quickly. But hymn writing is definitely closer to poetry. And so there's more room. You still need to get to the point and be clear, but it offers a lot more room to roam, you know, among different ideas and different images. And there's much more room for nuance, for layers of meaning. But on the other hand, hymn writing can't be quite as loose as other poetry, literal, uh, literary poetry or popular poetry, because you don't really want to leave too many loose ends. Then people might draw conclusions that are antithetical to the word of God, and then you've given up your purpose. So you want your message about Jesus and his love to be clear, but you want to express it in some way that's fresh and new and lets the singer come in and walk around a little bit. You want the singer to say, oh, now I understand repentance or forgiveness or whatever it is on a whole new level. I never thought of it that way before. It still has to be orthodox doctrine. It still has to be captive to the word of God, but hopefully it feels new. The language is fresh and the images are inspiring. And it's not just rhymed doctrine. Um, Jesus' life for us was given. Now we get to go to heaven. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that, that's not nice. That, that's the gospel and the gospel has power, but it's really poor packaging for something that's so beautiful. Hopefully we can do better than that. Sure. sure. Um, sometimes I post new hymns on Facebook if I'm feeling brave. And one person wrote... Uh, not too long ago, something like, you know, just how to write what our hearts feel. And that, that just really touched me because not only does a hymn want to speak what God says to be true, but a hymn wants to speak what's on the believer's heart as well. It wants to be a vehicle for the believer's praise and petition and, 
and to do that honestly, not not pretentiously, but with some humility and some level of vulnerability, kind of like King David in the Psalms. What what I love from your answer is just how how clear and you are very intentional about all of the things that you are packing into your hymn writing. Could you go into a little bit of more detail about your process when it comes to actually writing poetry? For me, the the steps in the creative process have to be pretty fairly distinct. Like my mindset when I'm free writing, when I'm exploring the topic is completely different from the mindset when I'm actually writing the sentences and the stanzas. And that's a completely different mindset from when I'm revising. So first, I guess, and oh, please interrupt me if I just start rambling here. <laughs> <laughs> the first, the first thing is, you know, you want to study your topic. Um, when Phil and I, did the Sila hymnary. We meant to write a hymn a week for a whole church year. We got up to about 30 or 32, which is not bad, but you know, I'm working full time and he was a full-time student finishing his master's degree. And we had a couple of funerals in the family. I got pneumonia. Anyway, we ended up putting it aside, but boy, that was discipline to have to sit down every weekend or every evening after work and try to get work done on a hymn. So taking these steps one at a time, breaking it up into those steps was really helpful. So the first thing is just to study, you know, you study your word, the doctrine or whatever it is you're going to write about. I think you read the word every day anyway, so that it, it fills you up. It's always in there. But then when you know you have a specific passage or idea to write on, of course, you want to explore that specific biblical doctrine a little more deeply. And always, I think the key is humility. I mean, no matter how much we study, no matter how well we employ the Lutheran hermeneutic of letting scripture interpret scripture, no matter how good our exegesis is, we still have to be humble. We, we never master the word of God. The word of God masters us. So then you want to create the uh, environment that you need. That would be step two, I guess, back in the muse. I think it's a pretty common saying that only amateurs sit and wait for inspiration, right? Yeah. The rest of us just have to get up and go to work. So for me, that means creating the right conditions for creative, creative writing, a quiet place away from the family, uh, maybe an office or a bedroom or a coffee shop. It's good to explore the margins by going someplace new. I think that opens up something different in your brain. TV off, phone off. I then like to uh, listen to some music. I like the Liquid Mind station on Amazon. It's very new agey, but it seems to open up my mind in ways that I want. And I like to read poetry, Mary Oliver and Bill Berry and Lucille Clifton and the older ones too, Wordsworth and Keats, whoever. Sometimes I even read it aloud. And I know this maybe this sounds crazy, but I'll read it aloud until I can start to feel my heart beat in the rhythm of the pulse of the meter, you know? Yeah. All of that is just sort of to open up your mind. Like I mentioned um, music. Bar Sometimes I'll listen to Barber's Adagio for Strings, and I'll tell you that that music will just slaughter you. It just tears your heart wide open, and that's what you want. You want that openness of heart and mind so that there's freedom and space for the words and the pictures to bang around in there, all subservient to the word of God. So that's just the first two steps, studying and um, beckoning the muse. The third step is free writing. The main point with free writing, well, first I should say that I start with prayer and sometimes I forget and then I feel really bad. Like an hour later, I'm like, oh, I didn't pray before I started this. 
don't I remember how serious this is, you know, so you pray and I write Yezu Yuvu, raise Yezu Yuva at the top of the page, like Bach did. I mean, we all know he wrote SDG at the bottom, but he wrote Yezu Yuva, Jesus help me at the top of his manuscripts. And I just love that. So I'll write that and then I'll start free writing. And the thing about free writing, I've already studied, I've already set the mood, I've tried to open up my mind. And now I want there to be a completely judgment-free zone, completely uncensored. That means that, first of all, I give myself permission to write really badly. I think that's so important. Just give yourself freedom to write terribly. I sometimes compare writing to um, when you go up to your parents' cottage, you know, up in uh, Door County or Wapaka or wherever, and you haven't been there. It's been, it's just the beginning of summer and you haven't been there all winter and you turn on the water and the water, when it comes out of the faucet, it's, you know, it's stinky and it's rusty and it just kind of glug glugs out of there. And that's how writing is. Your first attempts at writing, whether it's your first attempts at a new writing life or your first attempts of the morning, they can be really sluggish and boring and unintelligent, but you can't give up. Just keep writing. Just let the water flow, and pretty soon it'll start to come clear. Another thing about free writing that's helpful for me is to imagine a specific person as the audience. Maybe a friend has a parent who's dying, so I'll write to that friend. Or someone who's struggling um, financially or emotionally or with with a family issue. Or maybe I'll write directly to God just for me, like a prayer. And then in that way, hymn writing is very much a form of personal worship. But um, here's the honest truth. One audience that I can never write for is a bunch of Wells pastors. (laughs) I mean, that sounds horrible, but I think it's just all the discernment I was taught in my K to 16 Lutheran education. I'm just afraid if I picture Lutheran pastors, I just sort of imagine them sniffing for heresy instead of looking for truth and beauty, you know, like they're going to, they're going to read, Oh, she used the word choose. This hymn is decision theology, semi-colonialism, we're done, you know, or boy, that sure sounds like universalism there, you know? So I, I sort of freeze up. So I can't imagine them as my audience at all. You know, I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know if you want to include that, but that's the honest truth. Also, can I say another thing about free writing? Yeah, sure. I think for me, I have to quiet all those critical voices that might be holding me back. Maybe there's a high school English teacher whose voice pops up in your head and says, oh, that's a fragment. That's a run on. Stop using contractions. You're being sloppy with your apostrophes. Now, I was that high school English teacher <laughs> a long time ago, so I have complete sympathy for her. Um, and, and I know that I will need her later during the revision. But right now, during the free writing, you don't want her around. So what I've told writers is you sort of picture that person, whoever he or she is. I'm picturing her. You grab her by her tightly wound bun. <laughs> <laughs> I never wore a bun, but let's let's pretend. And you and you drop her, her and her wool skirt and her turtleneck, you know, <laughs> you drop her into a mason jar and you screw the lid on really tightly. And then you just let her pound on the glass in there. She can yell all she wants about split infinitives and not ending a sentence with a preposition, uh, preposition, but it doesn't matter because you can't hear her anymore. Another voice that maybe holds you back is, oh, there's that person in your family or your church or your friend group who sort of thinks it's their mission in life to point out things that are wrong. 
like they don't feel like they're fulfilling God's mission unless they correct everything and point out every little persnickety thing that's wrong. Don't think of them as your audience because that will freeze you up too. And one more voice, I, I think almost all of us, except maybe the super confident people, that's not me, almost all of us have to turn off our internal voice as well, the critic, the voice that says, who do you think you are trying to be a writer and write a hymn for God's church? Well, that sentence was horrible. That doesn't even make sense. What are you doing? Just go watch some TV and let the pros do this. Um, I don't know if musicians hear that too, but all you, the time. You do? Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. I, I just need to like put up my hand and say, back off. You know, this is between me and my Lord. I'm trying to do something decent for Jesus here. So just be quiet. <laughs> so all, all of those are things to do with free writing. And really, you could you could write a book on free writing and the, all the different tensions and fights, the battles you have to fight when you're trying to create something. Then there's um, writing, actual writing. I mean, I'm like only halfway through the process, right? I'll look at my free writing after a couple days or a couple weeks, and I'll, I'll circle anything that has potential, anything that feels fresh, that has a little depth, or um, that has a beautiful sound that feels good in the mouth. Maybe it even rhymes, has a nice, um, easy to rhyme word towards the end. That's sweet. <laughs> and maybe there's even one golden line, something that feels really true and new and beautiful. It has legs to it. And then I'll go from there. And I'll try to write sentences and stanzas based on some meter using all those fundamentals that we talked about earlier, the strong verbs and the sensory images, imagining the the curve of Jesus' spine as he bends over and washes his disciples' feet, or imagining the sound of the birds that the deaf man hears for the first time after Jesus heals him. All those, all those kinds of images, all the senses. And then listening to, as I'm writing, to the sound of the words themselves, the rhyme, the end rhyme and the internal rhyme, the alliteration, uh, that the writing can just take hours and hours and days and days. And you often just have to put it aside and move on to something else. And, um, and finally, that is what you do. I mean, whether you think you're done or you're just stuck, which happens more often than not, I just have to abandon it just leave it for a while. And I tell my subconscious, don't you dare think about this hymn because the subconscious is a rebel and it will for sure think about that hymn because you told me not to. And then I come back after a week or so and revise it. That's the next step revision. That's where you want to get that high school English teacher to come back and be really critical. Let her, you know, let her out of the Mason jar and listen to what she says, because she's right. She's right about the apostrophes and she's right about the poor construction and the lack of parallelism and the really weak linking verb that you could definitely change to an action verb if you would just try a little bit harder. So, and that's when you have to ask yourself, is this, does this line work or is it ridiculous? Is it amazing or is it amazingly bad? <laughs> and, and, and you try to fix it. And then the next step is sharing it. And again, you have to, you have to pick who you're going to share things with, right? You're, you're probably not going to share it with that guy at church who needs to find something wrong all the time. That's that's not going to be helpful unless you're super confident you can handle it. I, I can't handle that. Um, you don't want to share it with the person who hates all poetry to begin with. You don't want to share it with the person who doesn't take this creative endeavor seriously, who thinks you're just sort of cute and the way you waste time doing it. Don't share it with them. You don't want to share it with a person who thinks that if it doesn't have the words by grace through faith in it, that it's not a Lutheran hymn. Don't share with <laughs> it. 
I like to share with my adult kids. Uh, they both know theology and, and poetry really well. They're both creative and, <laughs> you know, they're different. My, my daughter will be very careful. She'll follow the rules. She'll, she'll point out three really nice things. And then she'll very tactfully say, well, now that one line, do you think, do you think you need to clarify that? <laughs> <laughs> now my son, on the other hand, he thinks all that kind of stuff is just patronizing. He's not going to waste any time. He'll just be like, it, it's good, but these two lines don't work at all. Boom. You know, <laughs> so you just understand how, how people are and how they're going to talk to you, how they're going to critique the work and, and see it for the excellent help that it is and take it. Sometimes I'll just share with my, um, with my husband, I'll, I'll say, um, you know, he's not super steeped in, in poetry, but he knows what he likes. And I'll just say sometimes, you know, I'm totally stuck. Can you just tell me that this is amazing. Like just find one line you really like. And, and because he loves me, he'll read it. <laughs> and he'll say this line right here, honey, this is amazing. You're such a good hymn writer. <laughs> <laughs> we both know we're playing a game, but it still helps, you know? <laughs> and sometimes I'll share it with a composer too. Um, and, and see what they think. It, sometimes if I share it with more than one composer at a time, that gets a little difficult. Uh, sometimes someone will say, well, you know, you think you, you wrote it kind of an edgy line and one person said, I guess it's not just composers, it's, it's my, my kids too. They'll be like, oh, this line does not work, mom. Wait, it, you went over the line. And someone else will say, that line was incredible. Just gave me goosebumps. And so now you're stuck, you know, yeah. <laughs> who you can trust. One says it's awful, one says it's amazing. So you just sort of pray and sleep on it, let your subconscious work on it. And a couple of days later, just trust your gut and, you know, make a decision. And then, and then you're done. You know, some hymn texts are maybe finished in a Saturday afternoon and some take years, seriously. Some hymns are not done. Sometimes a hymn is finished and actually gets published. Like what grace is this is published, but there are two things in there that I wish I could change. And when I sing it, I cringe now. I just cringe, but there's no going back. It's out there in the world. So you just kind of have to let it go and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to do what he wants to do with it out in his church. Well, Lori, we want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing such an in-depth look at your process. I know personally for me, that was eye-opening and, and uh, made me think about my process in different ways too. So just thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, for sure. For our listeners who want to hear more of your work or see what you're up to, is there anywhere they can find your work on the internet? Yes, absolutely. Selahymnary.com. S-E-L-A-H hymnary.com is the website that my son, Phil, and I have. We tried to do that whole year of hymns, a whole church year of hymns. We didn't get through it all. We got about 30 up there, but Phil set it up in a really nice way. You can look up Bible passages or topics, and it'll bring up the hymns that that might work. And uh, everything is free on that for use at your church. If you download it, you will get the hymn the text, some text notes, a tiff for your bulletin, everything that you would need to use a hymn in worship. And some, some of his melodies and, and harmonies are a little harder and some are a little easier. So um, just keep looking. I think, I think one of my favorite hymns on there is When Comes the Sun, I Rise to Pray. Um, he wrote really beautiful music for that. It's, it's really fun. Also, I have my own hymn website called Verses for the King hymns of Lori Gauger. And there are a bunch there by all different composers. 
Um, most some are free, some you have to pay a little bit, but again, you get everything that you would need for your church. There are a couple anthems on there as well. And then I post um, new hymns on my Facebook page just for fun sometimes. And so you can check there. And I just want to thank you for having me on your podcast. I think it's just an awesome thing. And I just, I want to congratulate you on this podcast. I just, I think it's so needed in the church. Uh, I think that historically we Lutherans have totally understood the power of music. Martin Luther made sure of that. But when it comes to the other arts, to visual art and storytelling and poetry and liturgical drama and heaven forbid dance. (laughs) (laughs) We're just waking up to the possibilities. I really think it's just been in the last 10 or 20 years that we finally decided that we don't have to be afraid of creativity. We don't have to be afraid of the human imagination or even human emotion that these are gifts from God and they can be sanctified parts of our humanity that we can, um, Harness them, harness our creativity to communicate truth and beauty and turn people's eyes and hearts to Jesus Christ. And so your podcast is a big step in doing this. I just I'm really serious in that I congratulate you on it. And I've listened to all of them so far and been very impressed. Well, thanks Thank so much, much for the encouragement. Yeah, definitely. It's main reason why we want to do it is just to, like you said, open people's eyes, but also to show people that are doing creative things. You're not alone. There are other people like you, and we want to be able to connect them and let people's voices be heard. Yeah, and creatives really need that. So often you you work, I mean, it's lonely work sometimes, and people around you don't always understand it. And so you really need to make connections with other creatives to encourage each other and give each other the freedom to take risks and push some boundaries and you know try to make something new and beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, Laurie. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you on the podcast again in the near future. All right. God bless you guys. Keep up the good work. Well, that just about does it for another episode of the podcast. If you've got ideas you'd like to share with us or people you'd like us to talk to, reach out to us at heartsenhancedpodcast at gmail.com or on any social media platform at Wells Creatives. And be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash heartsenhancedpodcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>